Good evening, everyone. This is, welcome to Esoteric Lighthouse, Episode 8, Esoteric Spirituality of the East. We are a group of free and accepted Masons, Prince Hall affiliated, focused on the esoteric, occult, and philosophic lessons found in Freemasonry. This being a public forum, it is not a legal interpretation nor statement of any Grand Lodge, district, or local Masonic body. Any views or opinions expressed by the panelists are solely that of the panelists and does not represent any Grand Lodge, district, or local Masonic body. Views or the views of its officials to which our panelists hold membership. Our agenda this evening, we're going to start off with Brother Salam, who will talk about the Deo. Brother Christopher will talk about the Papua New Guinea, Australia, Africa, and Freemasonry. And Brother Michael will talk about Samsara and Nirvana, Understanding Tantra, and Prana Yama, and Kudalini. And I'm sure the brothers are going to correct my pronunciation of those. Welcome and buckle in your seats. Right. I'll share my screen. Brother Mike. Yes, sir. Yeah. Share my screen for my slides. Yeah, go ahead. It it's not allow you to share? No. This is give me one second. <clears throat> okay. There I go. All right. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Okay, brothers, Taoism. Uh, I'm Brother Salam Al Faiz. So, a Taoism overview. A few points we want to focus on. What is Taoism? When and where did Taoism develop? Who founded the philosophy of Taoism? How is it transmitted? Is there a holy book? How does it work? What is the religious structure? And also, most importantly, how can we associate certain philosophical principles of Taoism with our esoteric schools today? What is Taoism? Taoism is a, it's a philosophy and religion that developed in the 6th century BCE in Eastern China. Taoism is often translated as Taoism as well. 
The founding of the religious philosophy is attributed to Lao Tzu, who some say may be a mythological character. There are legends of Lao Tzu meeting Confucius several times to discuss morals, ritual, and etiquette. The Tao means the way. How is it transmitted? The foundational sacred text is called the Tao Te Ching. Followers attribute the authorship of the book to Lao Tzu. Qigong is a practice that was developed related to Taoist principles involving breathing, stretching, and meditation. In later years, Tai Chi is a martial art that was developed by a Taoist priest. These are a few practical applications of the principles of the way. Wu Wei in Chinese means non-doing, excuse me, Wu Wei pronunciation, or doing nothing. This principle was repeated in multiple ways throughout the Tao teaching text using different examples to promote the belief. They really repeated it over and over, several ways. So what is the religious structure? As you see here, that's a Lao Tzu right there, a picture of him in the yin yang. It originally operated in a theocratic state with the title of their leader called the Celestial Master, ruling their society in Southwest China. Taoism thrived under the Tang and Song dynasties. When Confucianism gained popularity, its numbers dropped, as well as when communism took over uh, in China, it caused another drastic decline in practitioners of Taoism. Why was it created? To achieve the goal of its adherence to transcend to a higher plane. In other words, achieve immortality. So some of the beliefs. In Taoism, every human being has the ability of God inside it. Uh, everyone descends from God in Taoism beliefs. Every form, even a chair, a table, a cow, a goat, they're a transformation of the Tao. It can also be said that Taoism has billions of gods because each living thing has the Tao within it. It is a Taoist belief to never take life. For that reason, Taoists are often vegetarians or vegans. Shen is the ultimate beauty. And uh, as it was said, there's no word for the Western concept of deity, but this would be the closest ultimate perfection up high from heaven. Chi, uh, we've all heard of that term in martial arts. It's the power of earth humanity. Uh, some translations of chi are life force, air, and energy flow. More beliefs and associations. And when I say associations, at this point, I'm not claiming that Freemasonry came from here in any way. This is just a speculation of how these principles are associated with the principles of our fraternity and the things we do. So conscience, mercy, forgiveness is promoted in Taoism. These are called the three treasures of Tao or three treasures of humanity. These three treasures are also called the three jewels. And we can relate that in Freemasonry to three immovable Jews or three movable Jews. 
compassion, frugality, and humility are also versions of these jewels in Taoism. Zhen is an, an immortal. The opposite of perfection is called the yin. Ultimate desire is a distraction from ultimate perfection. In Freemasonry, we learn to subdue our passion. Original spirit is within us. The goal of connecting with the people from the sky starts by cultivating virtue to reach perfection. And uh, I associate that with the rough and perfect astrolog. And it's also similar to Martinus reintegra reintegration, excuse me, of taking us from here back to the creator. So here are a few of my quotes, my favorite quotes from the Tao teaching. A book's available online, PDF form, if anyone's interested in reading it. Um, I'll read a few, but I'll leave it on the screen for the viewers to see later. Practice not doing, and everything will fall into place. Here's another powerful one that I like. Care about people's approval, and you will be their prisoner. Thoughts weaken the mind. Desires wither the heart. We hammer wood for a house, but it is the inner space that makes it livable. So a few more quotes. That's Lao Tzu, a depiction of Lao Tzu. And he's on a bull carrying his message west. The master allows things to come and go. His heart is as open as the sky. A good traveler has no fixed plans and no intent on arriving. That completes my presentation. Thank you, brothers. Very inspirational. Thank you very yes, much, sir. sir. All right. Uh, so, uh, uh, make Brother Chris the host. Okay. Hey, thank you, my bro. Welcome, Brother Chris. Yeah. So, so, yeah. yeah, I kind of fall in love with this thing when I saw it. I was like, that's kind of noise. <laughs> so, my brothers, um, I ended up digging into some things here, and that led me to Papua New Guinea, Australia, Africa, and Freemasonry, um, because just started coming across some things. So I don't need to speak the disclaimer because Brother Mike, I'm sorry, Brother House, um, Brother Watson, <laughs> taking care of that already. Um, so here's my introduction here. I, I thought it was interesting how I came across some of the material presented in the work. I was actually reading the table of contents of a church's sign and symbols of primordial man, which is one of my sources. And I came across this term called Pearl Man. So, you know, I did a quick Google search, produced several items, seemed like colloquialisms for uh, voodoo, uh, some things along the line, like in the West Indies, we call those folks um, Obia Mans, who are also considered like witch doctors. But then I changed the spelling a little bit because I saw it spelled two different ways. 
and what um, Church would have presented, and that actually took me to um, the Ars Coronati Lodge. Um, Brother H.P. Fitzpatrick Marriott had actually written something about it, too. So I saw that other spelling, the P-O-R-O, and when I searched that, I came across a link that took me to Papua New Guinea and talk pissing, which is kind of like a pigeon tongue they talk about. So in that tongue, the term actually means a friend or acquaintance. We're going to get into a little bit more behind that too. So Papua New Guinea is known for its diverse and complex social composition. But when you look at images of those folks, the first thing that came to my mind was Africa. Um, the, the island that they're actually on is, or that set of islands is called Oceana, which is like, you know, kind of like north, northwest of Australia. So Portuguese explorer, Jorge de Menezes, he was attributed with the first part of the name, Papa, which means like the wiry, woolly hair of the natives. And then, um, according to some information I came across as well, it says Inigo Ortez de Relez, a Spanish explorer, was said to have added the name New Guinea because he felt so the natives closely resembled the people of Guinea in Africa. So some of the theories, <clears throat> excuse me, and what people thought is how people inhabited the island. So they were saying in an early migration, um, 50,000 years ago, people had come from the Malay archipelago and inhabited the island. And then 18 to 10,000 years ago, the ocean levels rose and covered the low flying flatland areas, which actually connected the island. Actually, it's not an island, it's just like one landmass, but there were lowland areas in between there. So when the water rose, it created these straits. So you had the Torres Strait, you had the Arafura Strait, I mean, Arafura Sea. And when we look at the map now, they're totally separate. It seems like it's an island. Um, 3,500 years ago, they said there was another migration of people from the West who accounted for the non-Austronesian population. Um, but, you know, what popped out to me in my mind was, well, if they said people crossed this land bridge from Australia, where did those people come from? And then how does one explain the strong African appearance of the Aboriginal people of Australia and PNG? And I recall from, you know, my discussions with Brother Dr. House and, and Mike Williams, appearances is one thing, genetics is another. We're gonna talk about that a little bit too. So with language being an indicator of cultural ties as well, I said to myself, well, how does the Pearl or poor man make his way into the lexicon of these people and they're like half a world away? So the missing link is actually 70,000 years ago, there was a planned migration from Africa. Um, one of the sources I came across said people got into bamboo boats and seeing that Africa was the source, you had these different migrations of people moving out from Africa. And one of those was actually a seaward route. And so they said those folks as they came across, they landed in Australia approximately 65,000 years ago. They found some evidence for that and for Papua New Guinea. So it was found that um, the New Guinea and Philippine area groups had diverged from the Aboriginal people about 36,000 years ago. And supporting evidence that for these populations are descended from migrants who took an early southern route out of Africa before other groups in the area and that the Indian and Australian populations mixed well before European contact with this gene flow occurring before the Holocene 
period, which was approximately 4,230 years ago. <clears throat> so looking into the Pearl Society, um, Marriott says that Pearl, the word itself means the ancient and sacred laws of the fathers, which title proves its antiquity. It's one of the secret orders that still exists in West Africa, most notably Sierra Leone, Guinea, and Liberia. While it's a secret society, it permeate, permeates all the levels of society, and it's responsible for rites of passage, laws, governance, and enforcement. Like Freemasonry, the Pearl Society's membership is limited to males, with one minor difference. Some female members of the Sande Society, which is also a secret society but for females, hold membership as well. And likewise, some of the members of the Pearl Society hold membership in the Sande Society. And I compare that to how Masons and OES are separate, but inextricably linked. So while the words don't have any identical meaning, the fact the words fall within a particular range of meaning is important. It states that in the African secret societies, the Sen Puro is to remind the man of his most sacred duties and obligations. Who else would do that or be committed to that, such as a friend or a Mason? So some similarities and connections, like lodges, the Puro can set up temporary or permanent ones based on the needs of the society. Of course, as we have dispensations which detail the need for such an assembly or a lodge, such things are detailed as well when a pearl is established. Marriott continued with an example of a temporary pearl, which is called Sa'aporo, right? And I, I highlighted that and underlined that for a reason, because that's the same word that I used when I did my search. It was set up near Galenus, and it was inaugurated by a man who suggested it was composed of three grades, or degrees and was set up very much like a Masonic order. For the original and permanent Pearl, there's generally one password, which Marriott described as the one word or the only word. This would ensure that a man who was traveling and does not belong to that particular Pearl may still be respected as such. Churchill stated in Australia, there seemed to be a community of social organizations that showed that the tribes with the offspring of ancestors that already practice certain customs. And he proceeded to say that as the ancestors reached the country, they spread about in various directions, separated into local groups and developed along various lines. And this kind of leads to that diversity we were talking about, like how they spread out and you have these different villages and tribes and so on and so forth. So, even though you have these differences, there's still a strong genetic similarity. And as further detailed in how they're genetically distant from people who came west or come from the west from Southeast Asia. So there's a clear genetic difference between the descendants of the original inhabitants and those who arrived later. So in his book, Signs and Symbols, Church would mention that the Angura, a ceremony of the Arunta tribe, in Australia is the last of the initiatory rites and takes over four months to perform. This ceremony admits the initiate to all of the sacred secrets of the tribe. He went on to say that the whole history of the tribe may be said to be bound up in these totemic ceremonies and are identical to the Nilotic Negro of the present day, the Australian Aborigines being an exodus from these early people. So Ward stated that even among the primitive Australian Blacks, 
we find advanced degrees corresponding to the Royal Arch and usually the ceremony of death and resurrection. So about an hour from Sydney is the sacred valley of Biami. The rites of Biami require water and they have carved out three ceremonial basins for this purpose out of a huge rock, which is the floor of the temple. I should also state that Biami is a goddess. So y'all understand we have water, we got the feminine principle, and she's a goddess. The water is provided by a diversion of a small stream and six feet below the lowest basin, it falls into a pool that's 10 feet across. And this is a Bora ceremony. So this ceremony also requires fire. And it was apparently set in a large depression near the center of the temple floor, the remaining portions of which are carved with tribal and mystic signs, some remarkably plain, according to Ward. So here's another example of three degrees within an initiatory rite for a young boy during this adjourn to manhood. During the process, the boy is scored on his left breast and shoulder, along with other tests of endurance, including the rite of circumcision. So if at any time he shows weakness or cowardice, he has failed and he become an outcast and not allowed to have a family or procreate. If the test of strength and endurance, if during the test of strength and endurance, he happens to die or become mortally injured, then that's his fate. In the pearl, similarities exist. So the young man enters at 30 years of age. His relations who are members of the pearl become responsible for his conduct and bind themselves by oath to sacrifice him if he ever portrays the secrets of the society. As part of his initiation, he's placed in a solitary habitation near a sacred wood. If he tries to penetrate it, he's immediately slain. Lions and leopards or imitations of such are made to pass by his habitation as a test of his courage. If he passes his preliminary test, he's allowed to advance. Upon his advancement, he's sworn to oaths, which like in Freemasonry, account the various penalties and or punishments that were a result of him unlawfully revealing the secrets of the society. So in conclusion, it's amazing how one word took me on such a journey. <laughs> I'm still not finished, but I, I've become immersed in quite a bit of research. But um, Masonic authors as Ward, Marriott, and Churchway, Churchwood have prepared the way. And um, real briefly here, you know, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Ward is basically stating that he sees that Freemasonry was the basis of the mysteries, not as some people see it as people taking the mysteries, cutting it down and, and fitting it into a system. So he was saying that, you know, the higher refinements of those mysteries and also the various creeds which took their place were for a day to meet the social and spiritual difficulties of the age, but the basis or the foundation remained unchanged. And the men who built the temples of the gods had to know their basis so that they might build a right and not reveal too much to the uninitiated world. So these are my sources, brothers. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. Even got some stuff from um, Wards, who was Hiram Abyss. So. Uh, beautiful, brother. Um, thank you, sir. In that show. Stop my share. Brother Mike. Great presentation, Chris. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Hey, Chris, can you pass me, pass me the baton?
All right, thank you. All right, good evening. Good evening. All right, I'm gonna start you off with uh, samsara and nirvana. Uh, these are two Hindu terms uh, that are found in Hinduism and also Buddhism. Um, essentially, what most people think of when they hear of samsara and nirvana, they think of heaven and earth. In this discussion, I'll go over samsara from a different perspective. Uh, and for those who know me by now, uh, you know I do everything completely different and bring different views. So uh, sit back and buckle your seatbelts. All right, uh, samsara is the continuous cycle of life and death and reincarnation, envisioned by Hinduism and other Indian religions. In Hindu, and Buddhist practice, samsara is the endless cycle of life and death from which uh, adherents seek liberation. So samsara essentially is us uh, going through our day-to-day -day journey of just living life. Then we, we're born, we live, we die. We're born, we live, we die. And it's like a, like a little uh, hamster wheel. And we're just rolling on this wheel throughout life and continuously and basically for infinity until we reach a state of perfection. Um, in Buddhism, they say that you have 108 lives to live to reach perfection. And um, I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, with Nirvana, Nirvana is a place of perfect peace and happiness like heaven. In Hinduism and Buddhism, Nirvana is the highest state of the highest state that someone can attain for enlightenment, meaning a person's individual desires and suffering goes away. All right, samsara. Again, in Hinduism it is a prominent belief that samsara is the feature of life based on the illusion, maya. Illusion enables a person to think he or she is an autonomous being, autonomous being instead of recognizing the connection between oneself and the rest of reality. Believing in the illusion of separateness that persists throughout samsara leads one to act in ways that generate karma and thus perpetuate the cycle of action and rebirth. By fully grasping the unity or oneness of all things, the believer has the potential to break the illusion upon which samsara is based and achieve moshka, uh, liberation from samsara. So essentially what I'm trying to say here is that we, um, we for, we've forgotten that we're connected and we're living in a world of illusion. And we, what we think is reality is really like a trap or our cage and um, what samsara, what we're here to do, what this message to me presents is that we're supposed to figure out a way to enlighten our minds to become a spiritual being to ascend 
and break this cycle. Um, samsara continued. Samsara, it, it's our conditioned existence in a perpetual cycle of hab habitual tendencies and nirvana, genuine freedom from such and existence are nothing but different manifestations of the basic continuum. So this continuity of consciousness is always present. This is the meaning of Tantra. According to the Buddhist practice, there are three st stages or steps. The initial stage is to reduce attachment towards life. The second stage is to eliminate desire and attachment to samsara. Then the third stage of self, the, the third stage is self-cherishing is eliminated. So what it's three stages. It's almost like masonry. The initial stage where you reduce in attachments of life, you you basically you you casting off of that old world and you stepping into something new, just like you do on the first degree. Then second stage, you're eliminating desire and attachment. You casting off all those vices and superfluities of life. Then the third stage is self-cherishing is eliminated. Well, that's to me, that's death of the ego. And then when you look at the death of the ego, what happened on the third degree? And that story and the lesson behind that. So when you look at the Eastern practices, a lot of what is being said on the uh, in masonry it also reflects in eastern practices as well so moving on to nirvana nirvana is the final goal and the end of all spiritual journeys it is a journey from which no one returns after departing from here to tell you what is or what it means it is as they have entered a different dimension with which we cannot communicate by any means. So to me, that says from which born no traveler returns, who's born no traveler returns. The Buddha suggested that Nirvana was a state of peace, joy and happiness, which arises in the absence of desires, seeking and striving. It is the state of a monk who reached the end of his spiritual journey and experience bliss and freedom. The literal meaning of nirvana is blowing out, putting out or extinguishing the lamp or fire. In ancient Vedic society, fire was the central of the religious practice since of all offerings were made to the gods through fire only. Householders were obliged to maintain four or five steps of domestic fires at specific places in their houses to perform daily sacrifices and other rituals. Those fires were the continuously kept alive by all means. If any reason they died down, the head of the householder had to ritually rekindle them according as well, uh, according to the well-established procedure. It's almost like when you go in the lodge and you got the burning tapers in some places, you have a certain way you have to do those tapers. So um, when you reach the stage of nirvana, it's like you're literally being spiritually blown out of 
the of the the physical world, which is Maya, the illusion. In Buddhism, Nirvana denotes the state of freedom in which all desires are extinguished and suffering becomes resolved. It arises when the mind is freed from its affluence, asava, and afflictions, klesas. Hence, it may be construed as a state of supreme calm, which is free from seeking and striving, suffering and struggling. According to Nirvana Sutra, the Buddha explained that the state of Nirvana is the following words. Nirvana is also a state of perfection, especially moral and mental perfection, which results from practice of self-transformation. Sounds a whole lot like masonry. All right, understanding Tantra. Tantra is the philosophy that is both pro-life and pro-spiritual. It weaves spirit and matter back into its original whole, yet continues to move that whole along its spiritual evolution. Tantra is commonly viewed in the West as a primarily sexual tradition, as Tantrism does put sexuality in an a sacred context and regards the body as a sacred temple for the consciousness within. Yet this actually is only a small of, of a broad philosophy which combines many practices of Hatha and Kundalini Yoga, worship of deities, especially of Hindu goddesses and focuses on integrating universal forces. The word Tantra literally means loom and denotes a weaving of desperate threat, disparate threads into tapestry of wholeness. Thus, the chakra system coming out of tantric traditions weaves the polarities of spirit and matter, mind and body, masculine and feminine, heaven and earth, into a struggle, uh, into a single philosophy of many strands. Sorry reaching even back to the oral tradition preceding the Vedas. Understanding Tantra. The word Tantra comes from the Sanskrit root tan, which means to stretch. Tantra literally means the web or the loom. The Sanskrit term also means the essence, underlying principle or doctrine. The same root also applies to the word family and birth in Sanskrit as the tanaya, to keep the family or the tanus of the body. Tantra therefore symbolizes the weaving of the basic underlying fabric of existence through stretching and reaching out. We, bo uh, we both encounter and create this divine fabric, Shiva and Shakti in their, their constant interaction as pure consciousness and manifestations are the divine threads the weaving is done when we allow these divinities to work through us. The perception of duality is often considered to be the source of pain and alienation. Tantra is the sacred dance of reuniting duality, of restoring that which is separated into oneness again. 
the result of this ecstatic experience is unity of ourselves, our partners, and the universe around us. So essentially, what I was trying to convey here is that um, in Western society, we do look at Tantra as purely sexual, but Tantra has so many different levels and so many things that is involved with Tantrism that affects our day-to-day -day life. And it's breathing, it's, it's that same walk of life. You're trying to balance that masculine and feminine energy. It, it's almost like walking in mosaic pavement and it's also like walking between two pillars that, uh, that we know. In conclusion on Tantra, the bodiless Shiva being the nature of pure consciousness must have the creative energy of Shakti for support. The purpose of Tantra is the same as any other aspect of yoga to attain liberation from limited consciousness, most commonly by raising energy up the spinal column, the transcendental experience of union with another soul serving, serves to bring one to an altered state of consciousness. In this state, entry into the higher worlds is more accessible. In Tantra, it is believed that the body both male and female is a temple and a place of worship. Pranayama. Pranayama is a Sanskrit word that means life force and ayama. Ayama means the extending or stretching, thus the word pranayama translate to the control of life force it is also known as the extension of the breath. Pranayama is a formal practice of controlling the breath, which is the source of our prana or our vital life force. He who knows prana knows the Vedas is an important declaration of the sutras. You will find Vendata sutras for the same reasons breath is a Brahmin. Prana is the sum total of all energy that is manifested in the universe. It is the sum total of all forces in nature. It is the sum total of all latent forces and powers which are hidden in men and which lie everywhere around us. Heat, light, electricity, magnetism, and manifestations of prana, all forces, all powers, and prana spring from the fountain and common source, Atman. All physical forces and all mental forces come under a category of prana. It is a force on every plane of being from the highest to the lowest. Pranayama is the science of relaxation and the stress relief. It is a system of techniques used to harness and manipulate universal energy and it is integral an integral aspect of yoga often incorporated into asana practice or the preliminary, pre preliminary step for meditation. Prana is related to the mind, the mind to the will, through will to the individual soul and through this to the supreme being. Pranayama involves different breathing techniques. Examples include alternate nostril breathing, Victorious breathing, female honeybee, humming breathing, 
and bellows breath. The ultimate goal of pranayama is to connect your body with your mind. Kundalini. Kundalini is the ultimate life force, the creative power, divine, fem divine feminine energy. Put it simply, it's our inner fire, so simple yet so abstract. Once activated, this energy is felt like a liquid fire, electric, timeless, and paralyzing. When we activate this energy, it flows within us and resembles a wavy serpent, wavy shape of a serpent curving from the base of the spine into the gut and then into the heart and then into the head. Kundalini is not a little more awake one, one day after another, giving us time to adjust. It is a, it's about quantum leaps and in pureness of aware, pure awareness. So uh, most people thinking, you know, you're, you're studying Kundalini and chakra opening and you're gonna do a little bit today, then you feel a little better tomorrow, then you're gonna do some more and then all of a sudden, boom, you woke and you, this conscious being. It doesn't work like that. What happens is uh, those, um, those divine visions or you know, those things that just pop out at you sporadically, that's how this stuff works. It, you may not have a vision or a feeling or anything months, years. You know, it just doesn't work where you're just gonna jump in and all of a sudden you've mastered Kundalini and you can have um, you, you're this enlightened spiritual being overnight. Don't be fooled. Different events in life might lead to the energy to unravel and arise intentionally or not. A person who has been preparing for years might never have this energy to rise, whereas someone who has never heard of it can have it spontaneously. All right, um, these are a couple books that I'm currently reading right now. Uh, Kabbalah, Window of the Soul, uh, The Kabbalah of Rabbi Isaac Luria, The Triestus on the Stages of the Path of Enlightenment by Lam Rim Chin Mo. And this is a book about Tibetan Buddhism then also reading Esoteric Teachings of Tibetan Tantra by, edited by C.A. Muse. And finally, Deity, Mantra, and Wisdom. All right, uh, this concludes the slideshow presentation of Esoteric Lighthouse. And I will stop sharing screens so we can go into our discussion. Excellent presentation. Thank you. It certainly was. Indeed. indeed. Yeah. yeah, it took it took me some notes, you know. That I got my student hat on right now. I keep telling you, brothers, y'all make me go to books that I bought years ago. Now I know how to get to them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I still um there were some quotes on the one screen that kind of threw me off guard a little bit on the Dale. I don't know if you guys take caught them. I was trying to wrestle with them real quick. Um, two of them that I saw that were kind of confusing. They said thoughts weaken the mind. 
Oh, I was trying to figure out like what are, where were they going with that? I've never really heard that thought. That, that's awesome. Um, well, from reading the Tao Te Ching mm-hmm. is where I got the quote from. Right. Uh, I think it's speaking about thinking too much. Mm, okay, I didn't look at it that yeah. way. Overthinking, yeah. overthinking it. Okay, uh, you know all of these Eastern traditions. It seems like the same thing is pervading all of them, and it's like a non-doing, like getting in a state of nothingness to get back into the all. You know, the illusion yeah. of separate, separate people and everything. Mm-hmm. All the all. So yeah. Quiet yeah, and that was mind. the next one that I had. That the one before that one I saw wrote down is practice not doing that went through me for a loop as well but i think you kind of touched on that a little bit yeah yeah i get that practice not doing that means sit back look meditate serve meditate meditate okay you know know, don't take uh i I think in western culture and our society we're so quick to jump to action on things that we don't sit back and contemplate and think about it yeah um, decisions are made based on impulse and sometimes impulse is great when you're in the heat of battle or you're, you're, you know, you're somewhere and you're going through a crazy event and you got to think on your toes. But right. when you don't need to think on your toes, sometimes you just need to sit back, look, listen, and observe. And I think that's what the Tao is trying to tell people. Right, right. Okay. It is, it is a big difference from maybe uh, Western life, you know, mm-hmm. capitalism and just trying to obtain uh, materialism, you know, right. trying to obtain material things. Uh, the other part of that one quote was uh, desires wither the heart. So, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. You yeah. feel me? So we learn to subdue our passion. So yeah. I think the passions and desires would be synonymous as well. So if you uh, desire something so much and you don't get it, it could wither the heart, you know, yeah. break your heart. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And almost like that thoughts, now that you guys have explained that a little bit, the thoughts weaken the mind, it almost kind of goes to where you should be before the initiatory process. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. where they have um, the chamber of reflection. reflection. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. and and, and at the same time, it goes back to that practice, not doing, what are you doing there? You're just, you're you're not doing anything. You're, you're trying to ease the mind. Um, So yeah, that it starts to make a lot of sense there. I could see how I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I apologize for interrupting, but when you really Mm -hmm. think about just that quote that you're speaking on, when you look at the various volumes of the sacred law, it is clearly that you are to be still. Yeah. yeah. Be still, yeah, right. Uh-huh. To be still. You kind of see where that's at, even within yeah. the Western. If you look in the book of James when it says to be still. And then yeah. I look at the Tao also in line. Are you, uh, any of your brothers are familiar with the uh, I Ching? I read something in the Philaxis yeah. Society uh, magazine. There was two articles on it, one by uh, Dr. Jeff Menzies. Yes. Another by another brother. Because mm-hmm. uh, I find it ironic, like, like with the I Ching, that, you know, uh, six numbers between six and nine form that hexagram. And then mm-hmm. the uh, hexagram is used to, uh, within their uh, meditation, and it's uh, said that, you know, Confucius and Buddha actually practiced the uh, I Ching and uh, when they were uh, getting their mental mind state. 
Mm. Well, with with the Buddha, the original Buddha, uh, Siddhartha, Siddhartha, he practiced many different religions and spiritual, uh, practiced many different spiritual systems to obtain enlightenment. Uh, Mm. He spent years with the Jains, uh, the Jains, then the, uh, I forgot the the other guys. Uh, Yeah, the Jains, the guys that were the turbans, can't think of them, but uh, the Hindu, and he studied under all of these different practices, trying to figure out himself and to see which one worked. He even went uh, to the asceticism practice where he pretty much starved himself to skin and bone Wow. To try to try to gain enlightenment. And when he got to that point where he literally starved himself, that's when the light bulb came on. Uh, like, well, some of these places go too too far. To you know, if you do one thing, it's too much of an extremity, extreme. Then right. you go to the other side, it's too extreme. So he said, I'm gonna come up with the middle way. Uh-huh. And when he came up with the, when he said, you go in the middle way, you walk between two pillars. Mm. Interesting. You got this in, you know, you got this level over here that's saying, hey, uh, be strong. Then you got this other one over here say, be weak. You, you know, it's a play on energy. You got the masculine energy and the feminine energy. It's the exact same thing. It's the same principles. Um, but again, we're, we're saying we're separate. And we're we're trying to separate both of those things. We're causing polarities between them two. When you remove the polarities and bring everything back to the center, everything becomes one, and one everything becomes united. Kind of like neutral. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Neutral. Mm-hmm. I got a, a quote. If I could, yeah. I don't think it was in the on the slides. This one kind of pertains to Freemasonry, but it's from the Dao Te Ching. It says, what is a good man but a bad man's teacher? What is a bad man but a good man's job? If you don't understand this, you will get lost however intelligent you are. It is the great secret. End quote. Boy, that was fire. Yeah. I like the one you had on the slide that I wrote it down. It said, and this is uh, relating to Freemasonry, it said cultivating virtue, virtues to reach perfection. If, if, if that ain't what we've encapsulated, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, right. divesting ourselves of our vices and superfluities and investing ourselves with uh, our virtues on our road or journey or trek to perfection mm-hmm. or completion. I like to say better than perfection. I think Perfection in of itself is is synonymous with completion, and we're, we're perfected in the grave. That's when you're you're complete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brother, yeah, I, I got to jump in there real quick. Go ahead. Um, noticing the heart chakra, and one of those questions they ask us, and I said, "Hmm, what's the correlation between that?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was good stuff on a day. I had um, the uh, was it Papua New Guinea? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I I took down a couple notes with that one too. I they really when they talk talking about the death and resurrection and and how you liken that to the uh, the royal the royal art. What what's taught in there? 
And then uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that they use passwords to travel. Yeah. Know? Yeah, that was nice. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And then they but, would be recognized. Yeah. Yeah, I saw they were that as well. Now, I know we have a test of fortitude, but <laughs> my goodness, the the lions and the leopards, <laughs> you know what I mean? I probably, I don't know, you know, they made them sit and wait for the lions and leopards to see how they would react, you know? Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, that's your fate, whatever happens. Yeah. Yeah. I loved how they put Real. that. Yeah. And yeah then that's left. Some, you want to hear something okay. that's heavy too? They said, um, I was watching was it Unearth or another one of those documentaries, they mm-hmm. were talking about they found mummified, they found a mummified lion, like wow. in Egypt, right? So mm-hmm. because they said the size of it, at first they thought it was just a cat, but it was too large, you know what I mean, to be a cat. It had to be like the biggest cat they ever saw. So it kind of um, connects to this in some way, whereas were they actually keeping in training lions, like were they domesticating them mm-hmm. for these purposes? Yeah. Kind of sound like David and the Lions then. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, they had you know, they had oaths and penalties and it just seems like, you know Yeah, especially that part where he pointed out that with that word that if you were to reveal the secrets. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was like, man, that sounds familiar. Yeah. But But just family gotta get you. <laughs> yeah, but the you family know, ones who are part of the pearl, the ones who had to sacrifice. Well, and the, right. And the thing is, though, is that the beauty of it is it goes back to how we always say, you know, they don't know what the beginning of Freemasonry is, and I and I'd imagine the the writers of our current day rituals and stuff like that, and this modern school of thought that they call Freemasonry that started in Europe, I think those folks who brought that together probably studied some of these older systems and they knew that there's no way we can say this stuff starts right now. You know what I mean? They just had to say, and and what we're studying now, like you guys shared some of your resources, but could it go further back than that before we could even write and catalog things? You you see what I'm saying? So that's why they say Freemasonry goes back to what time and iniquity and memorial. memorial. How far back does this go? We we just have what they were writing down at some point. Right. But it could have been back further than that. And if you look at even the guy Lao Tzu, Mm -hmm. the writer of the, or excuse me, the author, assumed author of the Tao Te Ching, Mm-hmm. They say that he may be a mythological character, you know, and a lot of historians have also said, hey, guy's a myth. So that means that if he was a myth, then that was a collection of people coming up with all of that wisdom. That's ancient wisdom. It could have came yeah. from even further. Again, you know? Yeah. And then when we say how far back it goes, think about uh, this order of ours originally, if you will. Everything was passed on through word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody was writing anything down. You know, it, everything that's been passed down, it's just, I find it interesting to determine, okay, who was the person that decided that, hey, we need to write this down. Let's start writing this down. Because, I mean, it's getting mm-hmm. passed on and passed on. Like, who decided to write it? It kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, that, that, that movie, uh, The Book of Eli. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that one person did somebody have that last papyrus and said, hey, this is going to be lost if we don't 
So it's, it's kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Brother Phil, this is the deep part. Like, this is what leads to uh, some of the conjecture. And remember, they told us what modern man has only been on the earth for like 30,000 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now we got proof that there were people who were not only migrating across the ocean, but they were an organized society that said, yeah, we're going to go in this yeah. direction. That was 70,000 years ago. And if you and look then, at like, it too, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. I mean, to cut your wisdom. And they brother. took those traditions with them. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So even though they separated a bit, you know, everybody found their own little sandbox or whatever, they have common genetic ancestry. We could trace that stuff. And that's, those were some of the, the sources that I found, man, because when I started looking at stuff, I'm sitting there thinking, am I bugging? Am I looking at these two words and making too much of it? You know, but then you start digging. And then as I said, I saw that word spelt another way. And when I started searching in that, I was like, wow, like this is really a connection because these people left this location and went here, mm-hmm. they would have taken that with them. Yeah. You know I had read so about societies you were talking about. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut. Yeah, good, bro. Uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to remember what book it was. It might have been, uh, it was about some initiations. It might have been mm-hmm. Dr. Juwanza Kanjuku. It was a, mm-hmm. a book. I, it was a scholar out of chicago he wrote about three books about uh you know children and education i think it might have been in there and you can actually follow those um migrations that you mentioned right um i i thought we were gonna throw a word around we throw the we throw this word around on one of our um shows that we did in the past haplogroups you guys heard of haplogroups mm-hmm. before yeah so yeah. they can you know if someone says well oh, that you know that's just something they wrote in the book no that you can actually study the migration um, that you mentioned coming out of Africa for those Australians and so forth. You, it's it's documented that that actually occurred. Yeah, and it's crazy because sometimes I had to comb through certain things because yeah. they tried to kick the whole land bridge thing. Like, oh, this is how these people came across the Bering Strait, right? They tried to kick that same thing with um, with the Torres Strait. You know what I mean? I'm sitting there like that. That's not right, though, because even those people, when they tried to explain that, they they were uh, speculating. Well, it probably happened that these people did this and they probably came from here. But then, as I said, you know, I thought about what, you know, Mike and House, we, we were talking about some things. They said, yeah, you know, we go on people's appearances, but what about the genetics? So yeah. I started looking at some uh, studies on the genetics, and these were the people who were saying, oh, no, they're not genetically related to any of those people. So they mm-hmm. couldn't have come from the West. Those That was a later migration, like yeah. 3,000 years ago. The people who came there 70,000 years ago, they said came from Africa. Yeah, yeah and like I said, you study haplogroups, all that stuff, you know, is based in science. You know, it's not just um, um, mere... Uh, ego stroking or something and you know the, the human beings on, on this planet they as far as what we know today and what we can prove originate from from africa just what it is all that walk the earth today as far as we know today scientifically come come out of africa another point that you had brought up on your slide deck i had wrote down was really interesting was um how back then they had mystery systems for both men and women and uh, if you if you study history, 
there will be a, um, a culture or a society of people that came about that uh, were rather misogynistic. They had a, um, their culture shows us that they had a deep hatred for women. Mm-hmm. And so when, when, when they started to paint the world based upon how they saw it, right, from a religious perspective, from a mystery system perspective, you saw that the woman was suppressed. You see what I'm saying? You know, and also not just suppressed, but demonized. You know, if you think about it, um, you know, Eve is the reason why all of this stuff is a mess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's just, it's, it's, but you, if you go back and you study the psychology of, of certain cultures, you'll understand. Um, I'm not saying right or wrong. It's not for me to, to debate here when I'm just saying what we can read and study that it wasn't like that before that that's my that's my mm-hmm. the, the argument that sure. I'm having right now is that clearly there was men and women that had mystery systems um, clearly we had re, uh, cultures religious schools of thought mystery schools of thought all these different schools of thought back there that never separated the feminine and the masculine never separated the male and female they, we understood that you, you needed them both. Uh, I always joke from time to time, and I hope people take it as a joke now because it is some jokiness to it, um, is that I don't want to go anywhere with anybody sitting on the throne that ain't got a woman. If you're a man and you and you you sitting on that throne by yourself, you ain't got no woman, that, that's probably not a place that I really want to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then again, it's a joke to get you to think a little bit, right? Um, but you see, as we move through time, somehow, somewhere, go study, go study it. There was a separation, and now it just became the man, the masculine, and we don't need. <laughs> there's no need for the feminine other than she, the feminine is submissive to the masculine. You, you see what I'm saying? But it was interesting that you brought that up that they actually had rights for both men and women. Yeah. The, now, in my interest, I'm sorry, brother Mike. In my interest of keeping this short, because I'm still digging on this thing, mm-hmm. they actually have statues of a poor old man, and they always make the woman taller than the man. So kind of like what you yeah. talk about, which yeah. shows that they honored their women. Yeah, you not know? all societies were misogynistic. And I say that, that um, you know, I don't see how... I don't know. I'm not going to go too far to that one. I don't want to dig myself in the hole here, but you know what I mean? You you cannot have the masculine without the feminine. You know, you cannot start your car in the morning if both the positive and negative are not hooked to the battery. Correct. See what I'm saying? (laughs) So, um, unless you got push button start, can't you got to put that key in the ignition? Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. This guy, Dara Kelly. Poor man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I plan, I wasn't even quoting his song. <laughs> I know, I got you, brother I Mike. About that. Uh, uh, no, I just wanted uh, brother Fields <laughs> to go back. He said something. I wanted he uh, that last thing he said. I wanted to talk. I wanted to talk about it, but all his other good talk. Thank you for what he was saying. <laughs> He's, yeah. I think you muted. Yeah, bro. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, he's unmuted. So, Tim? Say yeah. that again? Uh, I was saying, uh, I, the last thing you said, I want to hear that again because you said something that sparked my interest and I wanted to talk, but all the other good talk made me forget. 
Uh, what did I say? <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of like at um, what point? Yeah. Uh, closer to the end, um, it was about the uh, it was about the 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 poorer man and all that. Hmm. It'll come back to you. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. we probably have to circle back to the yeah. basis yeah. of the conversation. Yeah. It'll probably come back. You know how you just be. And saying something, then you forget what you said. Yeah. Because <laughs> hey, I guess because it made sense. That's why I forgot. <laughs> I really like them in Mike's presentation, man. How you talk more about Nirvana? You know, we hear about mm. all those terms, and even the tantra. When you said it mm. wasn't always only about sex, you know, yeah. it's about the union of male and female. Mm. Uh, I don't know if not just male, right? You know, you say, you, you say like, of course not. you know, you, you were talking about polar opposites coming together and it being weaving and right. about those energies. I thought that was very interesting. I yeah, it, it's a, it, it it's made a more sense to me, too, than what I've always thought the heaven and the, yeah, he, he gave some clarity for me, like, oh, okay, I have a better understanding. It's not mm-hmm. what I thought. And it looked it like the, um, what I liked about it too was where the different perspectives between the Hindu and the Buddhist, you know what I mean? It's like it, and it's kind of what we kind of study today. Like one looked at, um, was it the Nirvana? Yeah, it was the Nirvana as being a, um, how would I put it? A physical death. And then another one looked at it as no, it was the, the, the mental, so, you know, it's just kind of, I liked how they both kind of brought that, brought that together. They're different perspectives, but it, they both are valid perspectives. You know what I mean? Like people can die mentally and you can also die physically. Well, you, uh, in, in, the, in these practices, they're, they always talk about two deaths and two births. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Have, you have the death of the mind and then you have the real death, the physical death. Yeah. And essentially what it is is just like masonry you learn how to subdue your passions and improve yourself in masonry then when uh gmhab uh was accosted he was um he had three ruffians that was going after him and those things they were all based off of ignorance and not understanding and it's so many different parallels to this story but when i look at the story what i see is when I'm playing that role as the person about to be slain, it's me doing it to myself. All my mm-hmm. egos, vices, and superfluities in life, that's me taking out myself. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is, it's twofold. It shows you that your willpower can be accosted by things that distract you. Those three ruffians are three distractions. Those vices. Those vices. And Grandmaster, that's your willpower. You're taking out your willpower by these vices. But on the flip of that, you look at it when you will not compromise your integrity. I will not, I shall not. Hmm. So you will not, you shall not. That's you standing up. That's you being a righteous person. And Mm -hmm. um, later in higher degrees, you you meet somebody named Melchizedek, Zodak, and then you go on the Scottish Rite. You see the you see some similarities there too. 
That's about you rising to become righteous. So it's about your righteousness and you looking at those three ruffians coming at you and then you flip the script on them. When you have that first death, you allow them to kill your ego and not your true self, not your will. Then you exalt and you evolve into higher planes or higher degrees. Man, you know, thinking about that, I'm going back and um, I was going to put it on a slide, but I didn't. But it was one thing that stuck out when I was doing my research is that in Buddhism, they got 33 heavens. Mm. Why, thir why 33? Mm. Interesting. Heavens. They have 33 heavens that people dream about. But what they are are paths of level or levels and paths of breaking down consciousness. Mm. So when it comes back, you know, I've, I've, I had a couple, couple incidents, not this has been years back where brothers was like, man, we can't allow Buddhists to be a Mason. I'm like, why not? Tell me why not. That's crazy. Explain the spiritual system to me on why they can't. But as I displayed today, <laughs> there is a lot of connections between Buddha. They say Buddhists, they don't believe in God. It's not that they don't believe in God. They have a different concept of different God. Concept. Yep. Yeah, and the thing is, is they, they, the, the, the construct of their system correlates to Freemasonry more comfortably than most of the religions that we're more common we that are more common to us right mm -hmm. let's say christianity judaism and and islam and i say that i mean that you mentioned um um that i think it was samsara me it it correlates to being born life um death and and reincarnation and then on the flip side, Nirvana is the highest state of enlightenment. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it seemed like someone who was studying this stuff probably would slip right on into uh, what, what Freemasonry, a little bit more comfortably than someone who is um, studying the religious schools of thought that, we're, that are more common to us. It was, for me, it was very refreshing to take a break from uh the abrahamic faiths you know like as you said in those stories and go into something on the far east corner of the world you know and see what they were talking about and the wisdom that they share oh my goodness it's like each of the things that are said they just hit you like ooh, especially if you're a mystic and you're really on on things of that nature like it's gonna hit you and make you think. Like, wow, I can really. You know, there's a reason why they say um, we look to the east. You, 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 you know what I'm saying? They left yeah. little nuggets there for us right. in, in, in mm -hmm. Freemasonry. Why, why didn't we look to the west? <laughs> right. Uh -huh. Well, um, it, it's so many different sun. powerful connections. It's crazy. Like, for example, when when you look at the Abrahamic faith, and then you look at Buddhism and uh, tantrism and other spiritual schools in the east they do uh, mudras which are hand positions and you know you're doing these certain things these things right here these 10 things are called 10 commandments mm. <laughs> just like the abrahamic yeah. faith then when mm -hmm. you start when you start understanding the hebrew alphabet and the kabbalah guess what the 10 commandments are also your hands 
So yeah. they all connected. The East and the uh, Abrahamic faiths are connected on so many different levels. Uh, for example, there are, um, what is it? Um, in the Kabbalah, you have the, um, was it 72 names of God? Mm-hmm. And you have, um, what? So the 72 angels. Yeah, 72 angels. Yeah. Well, then you look at Buddhism and Hinduism, they, when they take their, uh, they have 33 heavens and 32 paths, making a sum of what? Um, 55? No, 65. That was 65. 65, yeah. along with the seven chakras, making 72. <laughs> now, yeah, now 70, is that 72 is all wrong. Man. It's, all, it's all over the place. So then you take 72, and you take those 72, then what uh, some other schools of thought say, it takes 72 drops of blood to make one drop of sperm. Mm. Then what's the symbol of Yod represent? It represents that single point. It represents that one. a drop to represent God, right. a single drop. And that, and that actually goes into the presentation we did last time we were talking about the different permutations of the tetra keys. Right. And yeah. they showed you the yad, the yad ha, yad ha ve, you know what I mean? They, they broke it down. Yeah, and it's like 72 combinations of different ways of doing it. Yeah. yeah and then the other aspect of it is um, uh, when I touched on pranayama. Oh, yeah. Uh, with pranayama, a couple of y'all seen me doing my breathing techniques where you breathe in the left nostril then blow out the right, then vice versa, like a cistrine, and um, is passive and uh, um, masculine and passive energy going in and out. And it represents two pillars. And those two pillars are flowing through your lungs. When I used to sit in the, when I was sitting as a senior warden, the very first thing I noticed in that position was how the junior deacon and the senior deacon moved. It was that same flow, just like that. So the connections are there. We we just have to have an abstract mind to pull them out and think about it. Uh, but in today's society, we've been duped to be rigid, where we can't have a flexible mind. Then uh, you know, if you want to go the religious route, the Christianity route, you know, it said you got to be like a babe in order in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> so what they, what they have, you know, in the Scottish Rite, we talk about the um, the the lesser mysteries and the greater mysteries, and so you have these different schools of thought that actually built upon older schools of thought, or if you look at it in a different way, was a watered down version of them. You you, you understand what I'm saying? And so, um, at the end of the day, I think the goal of them all all of these schools is the same thing to get to a true understanding of who and what you are you know what i mean and and, and what your place is within nature right and so different schools of thought call this journey different things right. um some of them start outside of yourself if you, if you think of some schools that do that and some of them start with the self uh, so you you spoke a little bit about the kudalini, you know, the raising up of this 
liquid fire, you know what I mean? And so some of these schools of thought, you know, solely deal with the mind, how to cultivate and enrich the mind and how you think. Some of it is the body. Some of it is the breathing. You know, something interesting that you mentioned was the uh, pranayana was uh, the control of life force or breath. Now we see that also, you know, Brother, Brother House could probably touch on that back in um, the, in Genesis, we're talking about that God breathed uh, our, our yeah, blue, the breath of life, the breath of life itself. Yeah, that's life force right there. Right. And then when you look at spirit and soul, we talked about this on earlier shows in the Old Testament, you're talking about wind and breath. Right. You see what I'm saying? This is and, and so now we spooked it all out because we have the movie theater. So when we talk about ghosts and spirits and souls, it's all spooky to us. But the people who put these words together, it wasn't spooky to them. They knew what they were talking about. When they said spirit and soul, they knew it meant wind and, be- and breath. These were principles of nature. They understood right. that. Right. Now we've lost that. It, it's in these lesser mystery schools that we um, we have adopted in our in our uh, current diaspora. We've lost the concept of of what these things really meant when they meant something. And, and I would agree with you on that. That with all these different schools of thought, they have many variations. However, the end goal is they all arrive, if you will, to that point in the circle. Yeah. Right. That is journey. Up, I noticed that's where it ends up. I mean, yeah. when you really think about it, mm-hmm. is we come to the arrival to the point in the circle and exactly what that point is and where you're at. Because I was thinking about what you just said and, uh, about uh, that other house when you were talking to uh, the uh, Scottish Rite and then uh, Brother Michael's mentioned it elusively, if you will, when we're talking about the different various faiths and those different houses, you notice where you start and it covers and you go through. And if your mind isn't open, if you're not open-minded and you're not ready for that, that it's going to blow your mind because you've touched on every last one of them without you even knowing it unless you had some level of understanding. And there's no one is better, one is greater, it's none of that. It's that they all lead to that point in the circle at the end of the day when it's all over said and done. And you can get you can get confused. You know, we talked about this. Yeah, in in the group (laughs) we talked about this before. We may have talked about this on, on the show on the show as well. Like I've always looked and these these are just models for that helped me better understand what I was going through. Um, it's not dogma. It's just a, a model that I use. When I look at the degrees, I look at them as a movie theater. And as when you go into the movie theater, sometimes you want to see a horror movie. Sometimes you want to see a comedy. And so when I go into the degrees, I see all these different movies playing in this theater. You And you guys can, can test, test it. You may see it's rarely you see in any of the degrees in masonry, you won't see astronomical overtones. Uh, some people would say, oh, not astronomical, astrology. Okay, well, I'll give you that too, right? That sometimes it's just a, 
astronomical and sometimes it is astrology. Third, there's going to be some type of moral movie that's being played up in there. Um, depending on what degree it is, there's going to be some story about some volume of sacred law, whether it be a Quran, whether it be the Bible. You, you see what I'm saying? There's going to be yep. some um, scriptural type uh, event that is going on inside of there. Then on some of our degrees, you may have mythology being played out. You also may have be um, touching on historical movies. So what I find with a lot of brothers, uh, when I talk to them, they get locked and captivated on one aspect of what's going on in that movie theater. And the goal was to go in there and watch all of the movies. Right. It, it was never to go in there and just some guys will go in and they'll dive into history and they'll say this degree is specifically dealing with history. They don't want to hear nothing else. Some people will deal with the astronomy. Oh, this is about the moon, the sun, the stars, the quasars. Right. <laughs> right. They, they'll argue you to death that that degree was about that. And I would like to say that it's a it's it's the allegory and veiling of these moral truths that come to us in these different movies and we're supposed to watch them. And as you watch them, you apply some of the lessons that you learn inside of these, um, these, these movies and things will start to open up for you. And that's what I call the, the secrets really. It, it's, real I'll give you a secret real quick. I'll give you a secret really fast. I shared this with a brother last night. I said, this is a secret really. When your grandmama told you that if you took your little behind, over to that stove and you touch it, it's going to burn you, right? That's a right. mystery to you. It is an absolute mystery. Now to your grandmama, it's not. But to you, it is. You have no concept of what it means to touch that stove. She gave you the light, the knowledge. She played the movie for you. You're going to go over there and touch that thing. It's going to burn you. But it isn't till you take what you know and live it out, experience it. Now you walk over to the stove and, touch. Like, and <laughs> touch it. It is no longer a mystery for you. The secret has been revealed, but the secret is not revealed to you by the knowledge. The knowledge is the enlightenment piece for you. It's supposed to cut everything on for you, but until you actually live out what you're being, what's being inculcated within masonry, the secrets are lost to you. I it, call it, that you the know, so what? What do you call it? I call it the so what. So, so what is it? Most people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, Charles being in the military. So what? What does it mean? You know, yeah. Yeah. You know, when if you were a drill sergeant, you had that drill sergeant manual, and you said, okay, you know, the front lean rest position is the proper rest position. You know, all that crap. Yeah, uh, front lean rest position. Yeah. So you, you know, throw me back now. <laughs> You know, them drill sergeant models, I don't remember none of that stuff. But when you look at those concepts, it was saying what you had to do. But at the same time, when you're a drill sergeant, you got another drill sergeant. This, uh, you know, he's demonstrating all of those things that you're doing in that module, or what you're saying in that module. Mm -hmm. So he's providing us. So what? Then here we are. We go. We get the we get the ritual, and or like Charles says, we're in a movie theater and it's all these different movies playing and we're just so locked in on one aspect. We forget the, so what? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. What's the purpose of all of this? You know, we joined a system or the system was created to do one thing, but 
we focus on one complete aspect of it and we forget about the everything. I'm like, you got a whole candy store, but you walking around with one little, uh, little one, one little smarty. Yeah. Right. You got a whole candy store. If yeah. I may hit a point oh, yeah. from, a, from a few minutes ago that is very poignant and ties into this exact point is, um, Brother Watson spoke about movie theater and you focus on one movie when you have everything. Brother Phil spoke on understanding your place within the point and the circle. If we go back and compare Western religions, Abrahamic religions with the Eastern tradition, uh, traditions, they saw God in everything around them. Yeah. Uh, I, have, I had some Hindi coworkers who, they didn't kill bugs because they saw life force. I see God in, this, in everything. So if we look into uh, the definition of speculative freemasonry in the second degree, there's a portion that says it leads the contemplative to view with reverence the glorious uh, works of his divine creator. Mm -hmm. If I am coming from a Buddhist or Hindu system where I see God in everything, it's easier for me to step outside myself to see the broader view of everything. But if I'm stuck in my own dogmatic faith where uh, we have this one ideology, this one way of doing things, I may not be able to step outside of myself or thinking to see the global view of everything. So I can't see myself as a point within the circle. I can't see every other movie because I'm stuck on this one movie. I can't see all the candy because I've only been fed Smarties and Tootsie Rolls. So how can I appreciate Twizzlers if I've never been uh, taught to have a taste for it? Mm. Uh, right. This man just went in. And, and, and I like how we keep referencing go back to it being like a movie and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up brother watson because i always thought i was the only one that thought that mm. because for me because since you said a movie i've always said it was a quentin tarantino movie oh uh, yeah <laughs> the yeah. end is yeah. the beginning yeah when you really think about it and you go through it you're like this should have been the beginning, and then it leads to this. It all leads there, but it's like, you know how Quentin would take the, the end always started, and then mm -hmm. the, the beginning would be in the middle somewhere, and it, it was just all over the place, but it yeah. always made for a good movie. Yeah. And I've yeah. always thought that, that I was like, wait a minute, this is like a Quentin Tarantino movie, because when you get to the end, this should have been in the beginning. I, I should have knew this from day one yeah yeah some things we gonna, to. Yeah. yeah some of the things we just gonna have to experience I, I used to wrestle with um certain words in freemasonry like morality like i remember when i was coming through i i'd write that down like what is morality i want to be able to define it and and how i've always recited it back to myself as morality so i could understand it is 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 morality is the, the science and the study of the right and wrong thoughts, words, and actions. So it makes perfect sense that if you're teaching me a mystery system, that we're going to study right and wrong thoughts, words, and actions. Because, see, remember I tell you, Grandmama was already the worshipful master. Or Mama was, you know what I mean? Right. It, it was already giving you um, morality. It was already trying to show you right, wrong thoughts, words, and actions. But in order for you to really grasp the secrets or the mysteries that were being inculcated by moms and pops and all, all the other folks, you had to experience something. 
you had to go out and do some things. And then those things actually start to um, bubble up and make sense to you. Now, there are some things in life, I, I must admit, that we don't have to experience. We can clearly see it for ourselves, right? Oh, yeah. Like, Jumping okay, like, okay, there yeah. you go. I wanted to make uh -huh. sure that people did understand. There are some obvious things that if you can witness <laughs> it for yourself, then you've experienced it, believe it or not. You know what I mean? If you, you know that jumping off the top of uh, um, Empire, in, in the Empire State Building, you, you're not going to make that that fall, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're just not going to make it. it. <laughs> yeah, it's just not going to work for you. But so that in and of itself, it's not a mystery or a secret. We, we kind of know it. But as a, as a child, there's some things that you just don't compute. You're, you're like a baby. And, and I think Brother Michael... Um, mentioned that a little bit earlier, just like a child, and you're trying to learn and observe, absorb all of this information. What'd you say? Did you say happenstance? You got to have a clean slate. Yeah. Oh, can I, can I, I got to read one of those when you said clean slate. The Tao is a lot about emptiness, right? Mm. So there's one, it says the Tao is like a well used but never used up mm. and then uh it says i don't know who gave birth to it it is older than god i don't know if i put that in the slide but yeah it's all about emptiness emptying yourself out it's it's a different now, that was tradition. powerful what they said that might be offensive to some people yeah it is uh, it but, but i don't but but yeah, i think if you really understand what it is like is it older than the concepts of God? You, you know I what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's like at the end of the day, before we could even perceive the concept of God the way we know it, they are saying that Tao was before then, mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Instead of someone saying, oh, it was before God, oh, that's blasphemy. No, mm -hmm. this, that's what gets me with folks who their mind's not open yet. They're, they haven't placed their mind in the proper position to receive. Uh -huh. That automatically you um you bounce everything off of your own dogma, your dogma box. We mm. all have had well, I know I had it growing up. I had a dogma box. I was put into it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This dogma box came with a book. It came with a picture of what God was for me. And and it came with um you have to follow these things culturally, or you're going to a really, really bad place. And every little thing that came into my world, it had to go through my dogma box first. But when I started thinking outside of that dogma box, oh man, that's that's when life started really. The light switch came on, I guess it's the you, best thing. You explained it perfectly and that's exactly how I interpreted it. I, at first, when you hear that or you read it, it's it like, does sound, whoa, whoa, you know what I mean? It yeah. can be offensive, like you said, it can be offensive, but when you put it into the perspective of it being the, uh, conception of that concept yeah. you know, of deity then it makes sense then you can if, oh okay yeah that quote it's also a matter of uh having improper definitions because if you understand what omnipotent omniscient mm -hmm. and omnipresent really um, means oh, in man. the context how can your faith not exist with, with inside uh the all-powerful deity that i believe Right. Omnipotent. If we get these definitions together and understood them, we wouldn't have any issues. But I want my definition to only fit for me and not you. Well, that like that's a, a that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Almost almost like a dogmatic narcissism. 
Man, like I'm glad he said that. Yeah, because like even though, even when we're talking about like the Abrahamic faiths and whatnot, and it can be like like I don't know the word to explain it. It's like it's like you fool yourself not to think that there are other stories operating in other places of the world, and they never heard about yours. They don't. Know but if we fully understood, you know, like brother uh, Christopher said, and again, I I was out. With, with a friend uh, talking to this guy about this just yesterday. And he's, Christopher just said, if we truly understood the words that we were using, there would be no confusion. Like, this is what I, I can walk someone through this. And, and we've done this before. I walk someone, I, I tell people, I say, this piece of paper right here is all that exists. And, and that's all. And then they agree, yeah, get it. And I say, now, God is omnipresent, omniscience, and omnipotent. People will tell you, yes. I said, and God is everywhere. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And the moment I say, I was looking at God when I dropped a turd in the toilet this morning. Mm-hmm. Why does that yeah. lose them? <laughs> what, what, it, no, no, no. Think about it now. Talk with someone, walk them through that, and watch what they say. And I say, look at God running across that little rat. You call God a rat? But didn't you just tell me that God was everywhere? He was all, he was omnipotent, omnipresent. But you don't want to bear witness. As the brother said earlier about the Hindus, somebody said they work with a Hindu that says that they don't even want to kill a little bug because they can see the concept that life forces in that bug. Yeah, but I don't think people truly understand these definitions. I I don't understand why people can't get it that even the waste that comes out of your body is within God. Well, it's not science behind it. Everything is science, what we call alchemy. Alchemy, we did that in the previous episode. How all these things, they're just exchanges of energy from from one point to another point. And then, you know, when you think about it, you know, how, we don't even know us. We don't even mm-hmm. understand this temple of a body that we have. We don't understand the capabilities behind it. And it, 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 it's a whole construct of things that we consider self, but guess what? No part of you is even touching. Atoms don't even touch. So if yeah. atoms don't touch and atoms are empty, what are you? It ain't this physicality. It ain't this body name, Mike. And, no, and, and nor is God, and nor is God, Mike, like a physical man. You know what right. I mean? Like, you know, I always like to use these outrageous jokes just to get people to think. And I always have to preface it, like, please don't get offended. But think about it. You know what I mean? It's like, if God was a man, okay, and God is the most high, and, and this is, I hope people don't get offended with this one. How high does God's penis rise? How high does it get? Is it, is it seven inches, eight inches, or does it span the whole boundless universe is when it swings? And so when you start thinking of stuff like this, you'd be like, this is ridiculous. Because if it don't swing as high as mine, he's not the most high. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so again, it's a joke to get people mm. I don't mean to, for it to be offensive uh, in nature. I'm just saying, when you start opening your mind and thinking about these things, like, well, I never thought about that. Would it swing from Earth to Mars and Jupiter? It's silly to think that, that God is some physical man sitting somewhere 
uh, and he's got a butt and he's got butt he's got buttocks and if he's got buttocks he sits down if he's sitting on something does he take a dump too you know it, it just ah, i don't know man it these <laughs> things were, were they were put here for help us to understand what cannot be understood Real but talk. you don't lose sight of that yeah i have to paint god as a man that's what i know i'm an earthling i'm a, I'm a human being I'm going to picture him as a human being somewhere, but we got to know he's not, if he's a man, then he's not a woman. And if he's not a woman, he can't be all. You can't have your cake and eat it too. When you start running through these different algorithms, I guess is the best way to put it, right? Well, to touch on your point, you're right, because if you're looking at it from just a strictly masculine perspective of, a masculine deity how would he know to create a womb to give birth it does not make sense yeah i'm a man but i can't i i need to make something to make it to make it come out of so and to understand that anatomy to go behind it to make this happen it has to be a, a intelligence that understands everything the pros, the cons, the pluses, the minus, the ins, the outs, all of this. You can't just sit up here and say, okay, God is this. But then why did he create this if he didn't understand the need for it? <laughs> but, or even you know, how it renews itself on a 28-day cycle. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting, you know what I mean? And and you guys have you guys have already heard me tell the story about you know, I heard from a biologist when he literally said, we haven't even been here that long on the planet. Humans to, to be so egotistical and think that God would really have to take on a form of a man. If he was going to take on a form of any earthling, it probably wouldn't be us. You know, what uh, I mean? past Watson, I, 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 we, we've been here longer than he thinks. <laughs> right. I got you. I'm with you. Okay, yeah. That okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you with that. I'm with you. Um, but yeah, the th it seems like the Eastern traditions, though, they seem to have resonated with these concepts of of all, right, and a balance. And I think that last thing that I had wrote down um, from Brother Wims's lecture was for, from the Tantra when it was talking about taking what's separate and making it one again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I going did back for a particular reason. Oh, did you? You know, if you Scottish right, you you know exactly what that. Yeah, means. yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh. And then I think Brother Chris, he, uh, you know, I was laughing because I said he actually didn't make a mistake. We all kind of giggled a little bit. He said Mike, House, and he said Watson, and we all looked at that as a mistake. And I laughed. And I said, that we're all one. There is no Mike. There is no House. And there is no Watson. Now you could tell a person when they really think esoteric. I said he didn't make a mistake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because if I said it, Mike said it, House said it, you said it. You see what I'm saying? Because we're all one. Right. Yeah. And as I said, man, you know, brothers, just you know, we we push each other to be better. You know what I mean? That's what's most important. Like you, you all know, like a lot of the times we were coming up. He was like, oh, well, you know, black man was all over the earth and so on and so forth, blah, blah. And they're, they're speaking on this, but you're kind of like, okay. And you start to internalize these things without proof, yeah. without evidence, you know what I mean? And so when 
you get around certain folks who force you to dig a little bit deeper. Now you starting to go back to source documents. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not just taking what somebody presented the book. You're like, okay, he said this. All right, so let me see if I can verify this. Let me cross check, cross reference. You know, that's that so what again? Yeah, right back to the so what. So yeah. somebody over here said this. So let me go check it out. Let me research it. Make sure yeah. this is what it is. You you going to look for that so what to make this? Why is it so important that this must be discussed? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's why I definitely leave the history to the historians. I enjoy. I'm a mystic. I enjoy the speculation and just bouncing off these ideas and how I feel. See, I don't need a source for how I feel. You get what I'm saying? But if I'm telling you this date happened, this and then, and they came from here, oh, then I gotta find that. Yeah, and, that, and and that's a beautiful thing. You don't need a source for how you feel. That's why I don't, I, I think Brother House talks about this all the time. That's why I don't debate people's beliefs. There, there is no debating a belief. A belief does not have to be grounded in any degree of fact. Like I believed in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy. I don't need a, any facts for you to tell you. I believe in those things. Beliefs are different. You can, I can believe something and then you disprove it and I can make something else up and I can keep believing and believing. So, you know, at the end of the day, speculation is just that. And I like to, I do like to differentiate. Like when I'm trying to, to reference something as a point of a fact, and when I'm saying, hey, man, I'm, I'm merely speculating here. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're supposed to be engaging in. We're supposed to be like little mini scientists dissecting all aspects of life. That's what Masons are really supposed to be doing. That's what those guys were doing in those taverns back then. And way before then, when they was chopping people's heads off for thinking any so anything outside of that little dogmatic box that they stuck you in. If you didn't believe this certain way, off with the head. You see what that I'm saying? Yeah, that's one thing I really enjoy about uh, Freemasons and Rosicrucians. It's just the ability for people of maybe different traditions to come together, agree to disagree, you know, and talk with respect. It takes a, a great deal of intellectual maturity to even engage in the conversations we are without being offended and wanting to fight, you know? Yeah. But yeah, exactly. I appreciate it. I love all of y'all. Thank you very much. Or, or to engage um, in. In, in what we call um, logical fallacies, you know, like if you if you start to touch on people's belief constructs in a way that makes sense, that can reason itself out, their only defense mechanism at that point, they can't attack the argument. So then it becomes an attack on you. Right. And you got to be able to you got to be able to sense that it's called the ad hominem fallacy. Yeah. And the ad hominem fallacy is when I know that uh, I better back off a little bit when when I'm talking with someone. And they start to attack me and not the argument that's on the floor. I realize I already won this argument. It's a done deal. <laughs> There's no. So then I then the compassion in me steps back and say they're not ready for this information. You, you can't make someone ready for the information. That's got degrees. <laughs> there you go. Mm. Yeah. They're not yeah. ready for the information. And yeah. same thing goes with society. You have the society and life in general. Some of the concepts that we talk about and discuss, some people, this will go over their head. But what we're really talking about, we're just talking about primers. We haven't even discussed the meat and potatoes of it. Oh, yeah. So uh, with that, you know, you send out your feelers for people who are ready to receive that inner light. 
then and, once they receive that, then they're ready for more mysteries. They're more, more greater mysteries. So essentially that's what masonry and these older uh, other practices did. And you have Tibetan Buddhism and they have their whole, it's a whole different initiatic rite inside of Tibetan Buddhism that you know they got temples temples in Lhasa that like you got to be like a super discreet monk to get in mm-hmm. and if you don't know the right passwords guess what off with your head as soon as you come to the door <laughs> like how you get here what word you use that ain't the word bye 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 for off, with, off, off with the head <laughs> I always oh. use that you guys have heard this one from me a couple of times too. I always use Brother Michael as an example. Um, you know, years ago when I first came across him in one of these groups, you know, I, I didn't know what the heck he was talking about when he was talking about the Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. Now here he is, our last show. I did a lecture. I was part of the lecture. It was team. good too. Yeah. <laughs> but but I'm saying when I first ran across Mike, I was like, what the heck is this dude talking about? But I wasn't at that point where I was ready to receive that information. So trying to force it on me wouldn't have made me learn it any quicker. You understand what I'm saying? Now it makes perfect sense to me. I'm like, I get it. <laughs> I see it. But you until you get to the tune to it. Yeah. You have to be in tune with it and you have to be seeking. And uh, the biggest problem is that most people get stagnant in their education and refinement you you know you say you came in here for knowledge yourself or as some of these youngsters say i'm woke yeah. well what do you woke to if once you said you woke your eyes are open you see things you stop seeing yeah. <laughs> once you got there did you just keep going what did what else did you see and but when you look at it we society people as a whole they they get caught up in a construct that sounds good looks good and that shoe fit for somebody else and they accepted somebody else's shoes you took somebody else's hand-me-downs instead of Mm. go out and you know say hey uh well i got a job why am i sit up here and wear hand-me-downs why don't i go to the store and buy me some new stuff and upgrade and research and do all of these things and I think that's where in society and masonry, a lot of people get it wrong. They get, they get so caught up in a concept that, again, back to the kid in the candy store. You got a whole store you can purchase, but you focus on that one little piece of candy. Yeah. And I believe in order for me, uh, I'm about to get on to another subject that I read today. Uh, one of your brothers posted it in our group me. Uh, uh, Brother Thunderbird about uh, the death in masonry and the plumb line that hit home with me. And mm. I'm like, well, it's because we haven't took the time to refine the practices and upgrade to the stage it, that it needs to be. Uh, the focus has been driven away from uh, studying and education, seeking and finding like Brother Watson said, being that little scientist, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Not only doing it for, not only doing it for, you know, building inside, but also outside. Because when we take one person and make them a mason, 
that person becomes a mason and also becomes a figure of society. Mm -hmm. And when we say we're going to make a good man better, we give him the tools and the util to go outside of the lodge to make society better. Mm -hmm. Instead of just coming to the lodge and making the lodge better and then giving out charity or perceived charity. The charity is making that good man better and sending him out there with some knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to improve society and then make another person want to become a Mason. And that is by leading by example. And you going out there saying, hey, man, this guy's smart. He's eloquent. He's educated. He's whatever. And, you know, you, know, you got to be smart, educated, or eloquent. But you go out yeah. there and you reflect the principles and the teachings of Masonry. And then somebody else is going to want to be a Mason and say, well, I want to be like him. What is he, you know, what are we doing? And that's how we reclaim masonry. And the thing, if we stick to those seven liberal arts and sciences, then improve the cleanliness of our speech, you're attracting people right down in there. Yeah. You should be speaking to everybody just like you speak to your mother, right? Yeah. <laughs> sure. I'm just saying. Yeah, you should. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But my brothers, I gotta hop off. Are you um and keep going, brother Mike? Yeah, I was actually yeah. about to call time. Yeah, yeah. it looked like we yeah, we we are about well, two hours. Yeah, uh, um I greatly appreciate everyone tuning in tonight. Uh brother AK Vaughn's uh was sorry that he couldn't be here. He had some other prior engagements, but he said he'll make sure he will be on for the next one. Definitely missed the brother. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so our next one, I think it's going to be a fun one. I think we all can put something on it. Uh, episode nine, uh, exploring the human temple. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> that's going to be beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I didn't pick all these. Topics. Our brothers picked these topics. Yeah, yeah I'm ready for that one. Yeah, the human temple. I'll say brother Watson going to be talking about recycling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what was that? Tantra. Yeah, that was, I was, I was like, I think we heard that tonight. And Tantra, it says they looked at the body as a temple of worship. Yeah. Yeah. Tantra. Yeah, awesome. Good well, stuff tonight, brothers. Esoteric mm -hmm. Lighthouse, sign and all.